you cats and kittens, we're back! It feels so good to be back. We're sorry it took so long. Buying a house is hard, y'all. It's stressful, and it takes a lot of time to move and pack and all that good stuff. So uh, the good news is I am now recording from our new podcast studio in our brand new house. We are settled, and hopefully things are getting back to normal. The episode that you're about to listen to is over a month old, so the news is pretty dated at this point, but... We will have all of the latest updates from the past month in the next episode, which, by the way, is going to drop on the 21st. As I'm recording this, it is October 11th, and uh, we're going to try to get two Halloween episodes in for this year. Uh, We do roll for a random movie at the end of this episode, but we're going to put that on hold until November because it's spooky season and it's my podcast and I want to talk about Halloween shit. And because it just dropped and I really want to watch it, we're going to do the Muppets Haunted Mansion special next week because I do what I want. And then we will roll for a random Halloween movie for the second episode. So like I said, next episode drops on the 21st and then the second Halloween episode will drop on the 4th and then we'll be back with regular episodes after that. Thank you guys so much for bearing with us. I swear we're back to a regular recording schedule. We appreciate you. We'll see you on the flip side. Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss in detail the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. Welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I am ready for our first Marvel movie. I am Bob. He's very excited. I'm looking at you again. It's weird. It is weird because of some technical difficulties and due to, you know, the hassle that is moving Our podcast might sound a little bit different. We might overlap a little bit more. Uh, We're recording together rather than in separate studios. So, He said technical difficulties. One of the dogs knocked the laptop off of the couch and onto the power cord and bent the power cord. So I don't have a laptop right now. But we'll get it fixed soon. Yep. In other news... We officially have a house. Yeah, things, things. Kind of. I, yeah, so we are officially moving now. I kind of mentioned that in the I roll die circles. So yeah, so things are moving along. We had a, a bit of a, our financial officer called it a hiccup. It was more of a fuck up. It was a major fuck up. He basically told us that we qualified for an FHA loan with our current circumstances and he was wrong. Yeah. Bob needed to be back at work for six months. That was not a thing. So I am now buying a house by myself (laughs) due only to the obscene amounts of overtime that I'm currently getting at my job. So So if for some reason you find out that Bob just disappears after a while, 
Yeah, there's no repercussions. Katie owns the house. It's all mine. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but anyway, with us moving, we literally signed the papers in one week. We're recording this on Friday. We signed the papers on the 20th. Shit's about to get real busy. Yeah. On top of my job has actually gotten crazier instead of getting easier and I'm clocking about 96 hours of paycheck. And I'm actually back full time at my job, which once we move will be the hour away rather than Kate being the hour away. So she'll get a little bit more time back in her life. My commute's going to be 20 minutes, you guys. 20 minutes. I'm so excited. So so yeah, so things, things are going to be, as you would say, in flux for uh, Browse House Media right now. Um, so bear with us. Yeah. You, yeah. In other news, I think we technically dropped the last episode after this happened, but didn't realize it. Disney Plus Roulette has celebrated its first birthday. We've done this podcast for a whole year now, which is crazy to think about. But thank you guys. It's been a blast. And we're looking at the numbers right now. And this podcast has been downloaded a total of 2,778 times. As which of today is uh, unbelievable way more than i ever would have anticipated yeah i i i mean no 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 fault on you guys i thought it was going to be our friends cassie and liz and and jess and and those people who we love dearly but we thought it was just going to be them yeah we thought um, it was going to be the friends who are like i'll support you and yeah. then it's actually getting listened to so thank you so much guys that's really exciting yeah so with that shall we head into some news sure <laughs> all right lots of stuff streaming since the last time we dropped the big one of course is the jungle cruise streaming on premiere access i am hoping to see it on wednesday with my dad maybe if bob can join us work question but excited to see that from what i hear it's basically the mummy redone and the mummy is one of my favorite movies so i'll take it i don't care <laughs> It's like putting a new mod on a, an yeah. old story. Yeah. Yeah. Three new episodes of Marvel Legends have dropped. I assume in preparation for Marvel What If, because they are Peggy Carter, The Avengers Initiative, which is just about the collecting of the Avengers, and The Ravagers, focusing on Yondo's backstory. Hmm. So, got that. Built for Mars, the Perseverance Rover. That's probably a fun one to watch. I love that Disney's still doing this. Disney presents Goofy in How to Stay at Home. It's three different hand-drawn animated shorts, like the old-school Goofy cartoons. These ones are the COVID edition. It's How to Wear a Mask, Learning to Cook, and Binge Watching. I love that. He yeah. always did the old how-to movies, and, like, they did propaganda things back in the day for, like, World War II and different, like, I love that. I love that they're still doing it. Yeah. And hand-drawn. Super fun. Yeah. I knew that this was a thing. I forgot it was a thing. Short Circuit. It's a bunch of little experimental films made by Disney Animation. They are dropping a new season of that. I think it's five new films. Does it have anything to do with Short Circuit? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. That's what it's called. All the episodes of Turning Tables with Robin Roberts have dropped. The series premiere of Chippendale Park Life is streaming. Also, Garfield. <laughs> oh, boy. Mrs. Doubtfire. That's exciting. I mean, Bill Murray. Ugh. <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 and 3. These were on Disney Plus when we started the podcast, and they left for a while, and I was very relieved that they were gone, and now they're back. So they are a possibility for us to watch, is what yep. she's getting at. And then uh, 
Last but not least, Aquamarine, the little mermaid movie that came out like 10, 15 years ago, probably. Not aware of it. <laughs> you wouldn't be. It was not your demographic. You uh, don't know my demographic. Yes, I do. Oh, you're right. You do. As far as new things go, there is a Disney and National Geographic series narrated by Tracy Ellis Ross. It's called Growing Up Animal, and it's about animal babies. And that is going to start streaming on August 18th. Yes, mm. please. Happier Than Ever, A Love Letter to Los Angeles, A Billie Eilish Concert Experience. That's the full title. I, I, that starts streaming on September 3rd. I am into that. I'm interested. I have such conflicting feelings about Billie Eilish. Like, I like her songs, but the whisper singing a little bit goes a long way for me. Announced is another Lego Star Wars movie. This one is called Terrifying Tales, and that begins streaming on October 1st. Okay. The poster for it just shows a little Lego arm holding a red saber sticking out from a grave. Oh. So some bad guy is a zombie is what it is looking like. And then season two of the Mighty Ducks series and Star Wars The Bad Batch have been announced for 2022. Nice. I still have to catch up. I, I haven't touched the Mighty Ducks. I'm aware of things that happen in it. I'm going to binge the whole thing at some point. The Bad Batch has been very good. I'm not caught up. I believe I'm at the season finale, so. Nice. Yeah. What you got for us in the Marvel Minute? Um, the Just kidding, I'm going first. It's Hawkeye! Damn. This is my shit. I it call is. dibs on all the Hawkeye. A release date has finally been announced. It is coming out on November 24th. They also released the first image from it. A couple things about the picture. It's just Hawkeye and Kate standing there talking to each other in their what is obviously their training room. There are Christmas lights hanging around, so it does seem to actually take place around Thanksgiving Christmas. And Haley Steinfeld is wearing a very bright purple Comics sweatsuit. accurate. And is very much a nod to Kate Bishop's trademark purple. You, you. Evie has found her toy pizza. Evie, can we not do this right now during the podcast? Let's find you a quiet toy. Hold on. So if you didn't know, we have dog. Someday we'll have a studio. Uh, so yeah, that's basically all we got for Hawkeye. But I'm so freaking excited. So yeah, Marvel is continuing to flourish. What If dropped on this Wednesday of we're recording on Friday. It's already dropped. If you have not checked out What If, I have thoroughly enjoyed the first episode. I know that... My name's Kate. I, my significant other, Kate. <laughs> I was getting there. He did a big dramatic gesture at me and then paused. <laughs> I was deciding how to reference you. I know that... My wife, Kate, isn't a super fan of alternate this and alternate that and blah, blah, blah for fun's sake. But I do believe that Marvel What If is going to truly affect the canon MCU time. And and if we get Haley Atwell in Captain Carter garb on live screen, I would be in love. I'm here for it. It's wonderful. Among many other versions of what's possibly happening so yeah no i'm excited and the other thing with this disney plus roulette news of hawkeye's announcement it also puts us in a situation that with what if and hawkeye and we know that supposedly ms marvel will be this year according to disney's publications or, or press releases we might get through the rest of 2021 with marvel every week that's so insane to me. That, I mean, that's brilliant. And and then on top of that, as long as things go well with theatrical releases, 
we've got your Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man still to go. Mm-hmm. So it's a good da- a good time to be a Marvel fan. Yeah. Speaking of Marvel, let's get into our movie. We watched Iron Man 3. Woohoo! We'll start off with some trivia. Director Shane Black also directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. I did not realize he directed that movie. I freaking love that movie. That was like the movie that made me a Robert Downey Jr. fan. I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, we should watch it. Okay. I was too young for his original 80s stuff. Like, I kind of came to that when I was older. Did we watch Soap Dish? No. So Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was like my first real exposure to him, other than the random Elton John video that he did. What about the ghost one? He's got the people possessing him. That's what I said. I came across that stuff later. Oh, okay. So that was really cool to find out that it was the same director. In the scene at Grauman's Chinese Theater, the villain is actually crouching right next to Robert Downey Jr.'s handprint and signature. Interesting. That is a good one. I did not know that. And Aldrich Killian has some dragon tats. Those are actually tattoos of another Iron Man villain whose name, it just sounds so incredibly racist, Fin Fang Foom. So a little background on Fin Fang Foom. It it is actually specific to him being, and we'll get there, the Mandarin or whatnot in that movie. Fin Fang Foom is the alien that looks like a dragon to us. That's what he looks like, a dragon. But he's just an alien. And the Ten Rings of the Mandarin, which we are kind of doing in Shang-Chi, are literally ring fingers for this dragon alien thing. So there's implications here. I see. All right. Our drink for this week is... Oh, shit. What's that stuff called? Uh, Extremis. Yes. Calling it Extremis, which is named after the compound in the movie. This compound makes people basically glow and get all fiery from the inside out. So our drink this week has a floater of Ray and Nephew white overproof rum that we set on fire. Babe, do you want to tell them about the base of the shot? Because it means very much to you. It does. I, I thought it was genius and she is meh on it. So we're using Belle Isle Blood Orange Moonshine. And then floating the, the rum on top. And I think that's significant because blood orange, mandarin orange. And then on top of it, it makes you feel warm inside once you drink it. Okay. I think it's awesome. Uh, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and state for the record. Maybe don't try to make this shot because it involves fire and I don't want to get sued for somebody burning their house Yeah, down. Uh, safety. <laughs> do safety it, first, please. Do, do your own risk. We are not liable. Yeah. All right. Bottoms up. How long did you let it burn for? Like 30 seconds, maybe. Okay. Just asking. Cheers. Cheers. Ah, ooh. <sighs> it's good. Little burn. And then smooth of rum. Yeah. You gotta regulate. <clears throat> That's right. So, movie starts. We are in Sweden in 1999. So at this party, Tony meets a very nerdy, unattractive looking man named Aldrich Killian. And not just like unattractive, but like obviously doesn't shower. He's supposed he, to be repulsive He's looking. greasy. Yeah. He's super awkward. He's wearing a t-shirt. At a big fancy party. And he also meets a woman named Maya Hansen who is doing genetic research. 
Tony tells Aldrich that he will meet him on the rooftop later that night to discuss his research, but he obviously has every intention of blowing off Aldrich and hooking up with this hot scientist lady instead. By the way, the 90s facial hair on both Tony and Happy is on point. <laughs> I think Happy even is ha sporting a ponytail in this scene, I believe. Is he? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Yes. So Tony and Maya go to her room to check out her research. She's doing a lot of stuff with plants and regrowing pieces of leaves and stuff if they are pulled off. Happy's there as well, just as Tony's security guy. And he pulls a little piece of her research plant off and it regrows with a little fire behind it. And then the whole fucking thing explodes. So the formula is not quite worked out. The whole thing is very volatile. And meanwhile, Aldrich is standing alone on the rooftop feeling sad. As midnight strikes. Yep. 2000, everybody. Y2K never happened. We go to present day. Tony is in his workshop and has been up for 72 hours straight. There is some funky Christmas music happening. Yes, there is some funky Christmas music happening. Don't start with me. <laughs> He's working on a suit that comes to him piece by piece and forms around his body. And this test run does not go great. He gets the shit kicked out of him. I love the play between him and the armor in this scene. Yes. And how sassy he gets with some of his equipment that yeah. is not doing its job properly. <laughs> I mean, dunce dummies in a dunce cap, so. Yep. If you know what that means. I mean, I'm speaking very Marvel-centric. I know who Dummy is. Dummy's the, the Iron Man. You should be more inclusive, Bob. I'm trying. Dummy is one of the machines that he uses to build his suits. It's like a big mechanical arm, and he makes it wear a dunce cap. So, meanwhile, a terrorist called the Mandarin hijacks the American airwaves with a video warning. President Ellis counters this with an introduction of Iron Patriot. And that is just War Machine with a Captain America paint job. So it is Rhodey, and he tells him that there have been nine bombings, but they can't find whatever device is causing them. So the Mandarin's behind these nine different bombings, but they can never find any evidence of what causes the explosion. And while they're eating lunch, a kid comes up to the table and asks Tony to sign a picture of him flying up into space, and this triggers an anxiety attack. And a lot of this movie is about Tony dealing with PTSD, which is not something I saw coming the first time we watched it, but is super, super cool. Now, to be inclusive here, if you haven't seen up until this point, we're talking Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and poignantly Avengers are really the key points to this movie. Tony had a thing where he, you know, took a nuke to space and fought an army and... Like, he basically went on a suicide mission, but miraculously survived. Yeah. So he like faced his own death and thought that he was going to die alone in space. And he didn't. But he learned that there are aliens and there was a big war. It, it was bad. Yeah. So like somebody in his place absolutely would have some serious fucking PTSD. And it made me so happy that it wasn't just like, okay, tra la la, on to the next I'm movie. I'm Tony like, Stark, moving on. Like this fucked him up. And we really get to see that play out in this movie. And I know that this is not a super popular Marvel movie, but that is something that I have always appreciated about this one. Yeah, I would say that what they did is replaced Tony's alcoholism in the comics with the PTSD. Hmm. And this is this is their version of that storyline. And yeah. so I, I again, I like you appreciate it. I, and just giving that little bit of history there that normally, 
in the comics at least, Tony's a raging alcoholic. And I think there's an entire line called Demon in a Bottle or something like that. Oh, wow. The fact that they put this in there and it not be alcoholism and be PTSD is poignant, but still part of Tony's character. Like, he's got his own demons. Yeah. And always has. So anybody who wants to come at this movie and be like, oh, it was so emotional. It was this. It was that. Like, dude, that's what the comics have been. That's always been Tony Stark. This movie also very much lays the groundwork for Tony's part in Age of Ultron yeah. and his desire to make this technology to save the world and this kind of like feeling of responsibility for everyone's safety and heading into Civil War. Those two movies could not exist without this one. I think at least as far as Tony's character growth, there yeah. would be a big gaping hole missing if this movie were not there. So even though it's not the most comic accurate and a lot of fanboys really hate it, there are aspects of this movie that I really, really appreciate a lot. And I think it does a lot for Tony as a character and fleshing him out. So we go to Pepper. She is Tony's former assistant, now living girlfriend. Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts. And she is currently running his company for him. She has taken over... Stark Industries. Stark Industries and... Basically is handling all the business stuff while Tony is doing his Avengering. So she has a meeting with Aldrich Killian. And apparently she worked Wait, with him. We know that name. Yes, we do. She worked with him back in the day and he used to hit on her all the time and was kind of creepy. Uh, so she's like, hey, Happy, can you just like hang out outside while this... Well, Happy is being overzealous security guy. Well, Happy is a new position now. That's right. He's uh, the head of security. Yeah, he's the head of security for Stark Industries. But he used to be... Tony Stark's bodyguard, as we said in the first scene. Well, he makes a mention of the fact that he was getting nothing but made fun of because now he's Iron Man's bodyguard. <laughs> and so you know how humiliating this is, is what he says. So it's basically like that meme of the lifeguard at the Olympics just right. sitting there bored. Yeah. So that so Pepper has put him in charge of security for all of Stark Industries. And he's, you know, name badge, name badge, name badge, everybody like Overtly. Very overzealous. Yeah. But as soon as Pepper mentions that this Aldrich guy gave her the creeps back in the day, Happy's like, I'm on it. And he posts outside of the office and is watching the whole thing play out. Yeah, he does that, but he also does the bro thing and calls Tony. Yeah, and he and tells Tony that Pepper is having this meeting with this guy who is now really hot Guy Pierce. It was Guy Pierce before, but they uglied him up. But now he's like real Guy Pierce, and he's super hot. <laughs> like, like close to memento Guy Pierce. Yeah, and uh, let's say she's not hating on him like she was before, and he is flirting really hard, and she's not encouraging it, but she's obviously not feeling creeped out anymore. She's not feeling creeped out, and she, I think she's a little off put the fact that, damn, this. Yeah, like who is this guy? <laughs> right. So he gives her this really flashy presentation about this product called Extremis. And it basically targets an quote unquote empty slot in our brain mass, which he takes as proof that the human brain was meant for upgrades. Hey, honey, mm -hmm. as, as a science major, um, do we have empty slots in our brain? No. Okay, so this is Marvel magic and in form of science. Yes. Got it. So he's talking about hacking into people and changing their DNA. Which is cool. And I will I'd say, like, you know, there are scientists out there looking at the axolotl that can regrow limbs and different things like that. And they're looking for those things. It's just science fiction as of right now. 
And that's kind of what he's pushing. We can regrow limbs so all of these war heroes can have their arms back and their legs back, and it sounds all great. But Pepper is not dumb and realizes that it could be horribly weaponized. Mm. And she passes on the offer. Well, I mean, that's exactly what Stark Industries doesn't want to do anymore. Right. But also, he's Guy Pierce, So he kisses her on the cheek when he says goodbye. And she's not not flustered by it. But I can't blame you, girl. He was my pick for Gambit, by the way, back in Memento Day. I love him so much. I Can we just have like a second to appreciate Guy <laughs> Pierce? Like, I do not understand why that dude never hit it big, big. He's so incredible. He steals everything he's in. He's so fucking good. And he's one of those actors that never, ever looks like he's acting. He's just so natural all the time. I will mm, I will give you 99% of that. When he's ugly Aldridge Killian, he's acting a little bit. I mean, he's laying it on pretty thick. Yeah. But that's part of the character. Outside of that, yes. Also, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Gotta see it. Gotta see it. Peak, peak Hugo Weaving and Guy Pierce. Please go watch it. Anywho, actor James Badge Dale is playing Killian's security guy. If you put this guy in a tracksuit, he is every Russian mob. (laughs) So, okay, I had a huge crush on this dude. He was on 24. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, in one of the early seasons, he played Jack's partner. Oh. And he starts seeing Jack's daughter in secret, and it's a big thing. Well, there you Um, go. There's another connection for you people who are not necessarily Marvel people, but, you know, maybe you're a 24 fan, and you're like, oh, dude, I know that guy. Yeah, so I had a huge crush on him on 24, so I was super psyched when he showed up in this. But Happy is super suspicious of Aldrich and James Badgedale. I never caught his character name. I'm just going to call him JBD. (laughs) Russian thug is in my head. Okay. So Pepper goes home and there is a giant stuffed rabbit sitting out front. It's not even giant. It's gigantic. It is literally almost two stories tall. Yeah. Tony is wearing his Mark 42 suit in the living room. Just kidding. It's a drone and Tony is actually downstairs and he ate without her on their date night. Tony. Tony. (sighs) Bad job. He's dealing with trauma. Yeah, but also he really sucks as a boyfriend in this I, movie. I'm not denying that. So he calls her out about Aldrich and she's like, fuck you, bro. You were spying on me. And also I didn't do anything wrong. So get off your horse. In Tony's defense, he wasn't spying on her. His friend was feeding him that information. Oh my God, that's the most dude argument I've ever heard in my life. If to, No, no. It would be, it would to me, it would be a big difference for Tony if... He had, number one, given t- given him instruction to be like, if anyone ever comes in here, you know, make sure blah, 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 blah. Happy was honestly just trying to be a good bro. And I don't normally take those stances in any way, shape, or form. But Happy was doing it as a friend. I don't think it was in any way maniacal or, like, intrusive per se. So when she calls him out and is like, fuck you, he apologizes and then admits that he's been pretty much barely hanging on since New York happened and not sleeping and basically building suits every single night for a distraction. And then she's like, well, how about we have some sexy shower time? And he's like, okay. (laughs) So that night, Tony has a nightmare about New York. By the way, we do not see the sexy shower time. This is Marvel. Yeah. We don't do sexy. He accidentally calls the drone suit in his sleep. 
and it starts to attack Pepper. He shuts it down before she gets hurt, but she understandably is like, I, I gotta go downstairs. It's literally dangerous. So Happy, who is super suspicious of Aldrich and his crew, follows JBD to Grauman's Chinese Theater, where a dude straight up spontaneously starts burning from the inside out and explodes. Spontaneous human combustion. Kaboom. There's a song called that. Okay. Spontaneous human combustion. We don't have the rights for that. As Happy wakes up, he sees JBD all glowy-like in regrowing limbs as he leaves. Yeah. There's nothing weird going on here. Nope, not at all. The Mandarin releases another video and says that he was behind the attack. The Mandarin is Ben Kingsley, by the way. Yeah, that's nothing. I feel to, like we should mention that <laughs> side story there, Sir Ben. Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley, you're right. <laughs> Tony goes to visit with Happy in the hospital as he recovers. He gets hounded by reporters for his thoughts on the attack, and Tony says, "This is what you want." Uh, Mandarin, I'm coming for revenge. You're gonna die. You want my address? Here it fucking is. And then says, great, is that what you wanted? And then grabs the reporter's cell phone and slams it against the wall and destroys it. (laughs) It's pretty great. It's like, fuck off. I'm here with my friend who's like almost dead. But he did, in fact, give his address to a terrorist. So that's not great. (laughs) Mano e mano. He goes back home and starts doing research on the Mandarin. Jarvis, who is oh, his... Oh, Jarvis. Yeah. Jarvis is his AI creation. He runs his house. He runs his company. Yeah. Yeah. Jarvis is the computer man. Yeah. And voiced by the amazing Paul Bettany. Jarvis informs him that the temperature of the blast was 3,000 degrees Celsius. And anyone within 12 feet was vaporized. Damn. And again, there were no bomb remnants found. He looks at a digital layout of the scene and sees Happy kind of pointing at some dog tags. And he does some cross-referencing with other explosions, and it leads him to one that happened in Tennessee. Then the doorbell rings. Ding dong. His house is surrounded by press because he gave out his address. But it's Maya Hansen at the door, the scientist that he had the one night stand with back in the day. And she says she really needs to talk to him. Pepper comes in with bags and is like, let's get out of Dodge because you threatened a terrorist. So can we get out of our house, please? <laughs> you know, Con- like a logical sane person would do. Like all conversations, mar- well, dating couples living together have. And then Maya sees a missile heading towards the house on the live news feed playing on the TV. And then... Kaboom. Tony calls the suit to cover Pepper. This is all happening in slow motion and is very impressive. He calls the suit to cover Pepper as they fly through the air. The suit attaches piece by piece to her body and encases her. Which, to a point, I think that's the moment he came up with putting a suit of armor around the world because that's his world. I see what you did there. He and Maya hit the wall hard. A big chunk of concrete is about to fall on Tony, but Pepper jumps over him with the suit and blocks the concrete. She is Iron Woman. That's right. He tells Pepper to get Maya out of there, and they flee the house as more missiles hit. This is, of course, JVD flying the helicopter firing the missiles. He's actually not. I love the fact that he is in this helicopter and he's chewing gum, but he is there for no other reason than to make sure that it happened. Oh, he wasn't flying (laughs) No. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Then once Pepper and Maya are safe, he calls the suit off of Pepper's body and back onto him so he can fight. And then lots of action ensues. He like throws a piano at a helicopter. It's all cool. Like you do. You can't describe it. You just gotta watch it. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, it's a great movie. Watch it. 
he takes off after the battle, like, passes out, basically. And then crash lands in Tennessee. Like you do. Like you do. Now, the reason he crash lands in Tennessee is because when he was doing his research, he asked Jarvis to put in a flight plan ahead of time. And it was the last thing that he commanded. So when the suit came on and went on autopilot, off to Tennessee he went. That's right. He... Which, by the way, in December or whatever this point is, ta- I think it's December. Apparently it's snowing in Tennessee yeah. and he lands in the snow. It was not in Malibu. It was nice and sunny. He drags his suit along because it cannot fly anymore and finds a payphone and leaves a message for Pepper on the secure Stark server. The suit is dead. He continues to drag it along to a workshop that he finds. A kid named Harley walks in. Harley shows him a newspaper that says Tony Stark is presumed dead. He like threatens him with a potato gun. They have this whole thing. And then Tony exchanges a non-lethal bully deterrent for supplies and a sandwich to get working on his suit. I love when people just give kids bully deterrence yeah. from their Iron Man arsenal. That's right. I think my only big issue, and it's MacGuffin the issue right here, is yes, this suit is able to come to him and has its own self-powered, clearly. But he can't tap into his arc reactor that is still in his chest? I mean, it may just not be providing enough power. It might just have enough power to keep him alive and not power an entire... See, I I have an issue with that because almost all of Iron Man 2 is him coming up with this new super uber powerful source of power. Shh. You're thinking thinking (laughs) about it too hard. it went plot armor. I get it. Thinking too hard. Let it go. It's just something I need to say. We go back to Pepper at the wreckage of the house. She sees the inside of a suit helmet blinking and puts it on and gets Tony's message. She talks with Maya and finds out that Maya is working for Killian. Now we go to Killian. He has a studio set up with a big throne and a bunch of flags and shit. Literally in this giant castle. Yeah, this big mansion. And the Mandarin comes in and sits down on the throne and starts recording his next message. So Killian and the Mandarin are working together. Tony and Harley come across a memorial when they're walking through the town. A soldier supposedly suicide bombed and killed five people, but there are only the shadows of five. There should be blast shadows that get left behind after explosions. There should theoretically be six, but there are only five. Yeah, Harley says that the town has come up with those people had souls to burn, and then the sixth one, well, you take whatever that means. While they're doing this, Harley starts talking about New York City and uh, the Battle of New York, and Tony has another anxiety attack. Tony then heads into the bar and bumps into a lady out front. She has burn scars all over her face. In the bar, he meets up with the mother of the dead soldier. She has his file, like his government files, but it wasn't Tony who talked to her and asked for those files. It was the lady with the burns on her face. She comes back in, says she's from Homeland Security, and she handcuffs Tony. Like you do with Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. And then the sheriff of the town, who was the creepy Christmas guy from Supernatural. That's like, what I knew him from. Yep, the very first Supernatural Christmas episode with the evil pagan... Gods. Gods, and it was like this overly creepily nice man and woman. It's yeah, the guy. That's what I know him from. Yeah. He comes over to see what's going on and she gets all fire hand, like her hand starts glowing and just fucking Kalima's her hand through his body and grabs his gun out of his holster. Kalima, shoot today. 
JBD shows up too at this point. Action, action, action. Tony tries to choke the evil chick with his arms and the handcuffs, but she heats up and actually melts the handcuffs off of his hands. He runs into the next room and opens a gas valve and puts the dog tags from that soldier in a microwave to start an explosion. He gets away from the chick, but JBD is melting the leg of a water tower. Like you do. And it collapses, but Tony manages to dodge it. JBD grabs Harley, and Tony's like, hey, remember what I said about bullies? And then Harley, being a little badass, uses the thing that Tony gave him, which is basically a flashbang, and sets it off in JBD's face and gets away. Tony then uses a pulse bomb attachment hidden under his shirt sleeve to blast JBD in the face. Yep. I will say my, another, and I, I'm not trying to be that guy. But- Are you, though? Well, this this one's a little rightful, so how exactly do you dodge a water tower? Like, several people should be dead in this town at this point. I mean, I think it just fell off to the side. Like, it didn't just, fall in the right direction. I'm saying the water tower, the tower itself, the water... Well, it's like the thing in movies when a tree is falling and everybody's just running with the tree. Like, just fucking run to the right and then you're fine. It was the same kind of deal. Okay. So now that Harley's safe, Tony rolls out in a car and heads home. But then we see JBD wake back up. Yeah, he just takes a girlsy's car. Yeah, the evil glowy chick. He steals her car. Boop, 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 boop. Incoming message from the Mandarin. He's got an accountant for an oil corporation at gunpoint. He says that he's going to shoot him in 30 seconds if the president doesn't call him. He's already hacked the president's phone and put the number in it. How did that get in there? That's pretty good. Uh, President Ellis makes the call, and as soon as the phone rings, he shoots the man to prove that not even our president can save us. You'll never see me coming. Pretty dark. Dark stuff for a Marvel movie. They triangulate the call to Pakistan and send in the Iron Patriot, a.k.a. Rhodey. Go get him, Rhodey! Tony calls Rhodey and puts together that maybe the... Missing in action. Yeah, the the paperwork that he got from that soldier said MIA, but he's like, wait, maybe this actually says AIM, which is a program Rhodey was involved with back in the day. Which is also the same pitch for a company that Aldrich Killian made to him in 1999 in an elevator. Mm Mm-hmm. So he gets Rhodey's sign-on info, which is the password for which is War Machine Rocks. With an X. With an X. <laughs> so good. Little aside, Tony drives by a beauty pageant. Stanley is judging the beauty pageant. So that's his cameo for this movie. Yup. Tony then sneaks into a news van. Gary the news guy is a total Tony obsessive creep. He's even gotten Tony's beard situation i've I've modeled my entire look after you yeah. and he takes off his cap and he's got the the quaff and the full goatee and oh yes so tony has gary boost some signal like they do when they do science babble and uses roadie's info to get into the aim systems we see killian we see project extremis they start giving people injections some of the people start regrowing limbs and then one dude explodes bada um, big boom a big boom. We go back to Maya and she is feeling guilty about her tech being used for evil things and is just kind of chatting with Pepper about the whole situation. 
And then Killian shows up and wants to know why Maya is at Stark's mansion. Is she trying to get in the way of their plan? She says she's trying to get Tony on board, and now that they have Pepper, they've got a reason for him to get involved. So Maya, you gone a little sketch. Mm. So U.S. Patriot gets sent to the Mandarin, but he was sent to the wrong location. Fiery lady in disguise tries to fry his suit and basically kidnaps him. Harley, meanwhile, is helping Tony get his suit back on remotely. Tony's suit is still at Harley's workshop. Charging. They have Mandarin's real location, but not enough power to use the suit. Tony starts having another panic attack when he realizes he's going to have to go in without any kind of suit backup. And Harley talks him down over the phone. He's like, hey, you're good at building things. Just build something. You know, like make yourself something else. So then we cut to Tony collecting a lot of supplies from a home improvement store and doing some science. And he just puts on a hoodie and fucking home alones his way into the mansion. Yeah. He like makes Christmas balls into bombs and... Hmm, Christmas balls into bombs. Interesting. Yeah. So when he's in the mansion, there's obviously been some kind of like sexy drug party happening. And uh, we see the Mandarin, but he's talking very British and is obviously not a terrorist. It turns out he is an actor named Trevor, and he says a man named Killian approached him and gave him a bunch of drugs and riches to play the part of the Mandarin, and also gave him a very fancy speedboat. By the way, this in particular is the part that most fanboys have an issue with this movie. Right, because the Mandarin is a big epic bad guy, and long term Iron Man slap in the face to the Mandarin. Right, villain. But uh oh. JBD is here. He knocks Tony out, and when Tony wakes up, he's tied up, and Maya is there. They're in some warehouse or something, or like the basement of the mansion. She wants him to help finalize the formula, and he's like, dude, remember when you had a soul and like wanted to help people? Why don't you try to redeem yourself and get me out of here? And she honestly seems to be considering it, but then Killian walks in. He monologues for a while. He's good at monologuing. He does a lot of monologuing. He shows Tony a live feed hologram of Pepper being injected with the Extremis and getting all fiery and glowy. Maya holds up an injector at this point. She's feeling guilty and threatens to kill herself if he doesn't let Tony go. So she's like, hey, I'm the one doing all your science. If I die, you're screwed. And Killian does not give a fuck and just looking Tony in the eyes just throws his arm back and shoots her without even looking at her. So, bye-bye, Maya. So they've got Rhodey. He is still in his suit, but refusing to leave it. So Killian goes all fiery and starts heating it from the outside. And is basically so, trying to smoke him out without the smoke. So heat him out. he can go fiery, and that is something that we just learn at that moment. Right. We do not know at this point that Killian has also injected Extremis and super-soldiered himself. Yeah. Eventually, the suit gets so hot that it goes into basically preserve the person mode and the suit kicks Rhodey out. But fucking Rhodey comes out swinging. Yeah. He hears the countdown on the suit and is like, okay, let's do this. And literally comes out punching James Badge Dale. But JBD is all like super powered and shit. So he knocks Rhodey out. Yeah. Love you, Rhodey, Um, but ain't nothing you're going to do. And uh, oh yeah, Killian can also breathe fire like a fucking dragon. So there's that. (laughs) Probably the dragon tattoos. Why he has dragon tattoos. The dragon tattoos are not giving him the capability of. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you wanted no. to clarify that. <laughs> 
So Tony is being guarded by two dudes while this is happening. He's like, I'm going to get you guys and I'm going to do it like this. And he kind of just does this flick of both of his wrists. And the guys are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, no, really. And five, four, four three, three. And like flicks his wrist again and nothing happens. Two and a half. And <laughs> two and three quarters. But then finally, the Mark 42 suit, which has charged up enough in Harley's garage, starts flying in in bits and pieces and reassembling around him. Initially, though, he only gets one arm and one leg. So we get a few scenes of him doing combat with jet propulsion on just one arm and one leg. And, and it that leads gets to real some awkward. Cool flips and stuff. But also, he's just got a gun. And it was like weirdly unsettling to me just seeing Tony Stark wield a gun. Yeah, I would like that's not really something we've seen other I, than the first movie where he's selling arms. I would agree with that 100% until the fact that they put Pepper in danger. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like I 100% justified at this point. It yeah. was just like, oh God, Tony yeah. has a gun. Like it hit me in a weird way that I wasn't really ready for. Right. So he takes out a bunch of these henchmen and points the gun at one dude and the guy drops his gun immediately and throws his hands up in the air and was like, dude, I hate this job. These guys are all weird. And Tony just like waves goodbye and the dude runs off. And that's that. <laughs> and that with Tony with the gun is difference between your normal action hero who would just be like i don't care everyone dies blah 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 right. and then tony who's like yeah go yeah great yeah. bye <laughs> one last person i gotta deal with cool so in all of this chaos with tony getting loose Rhodey has been abandoned he comes to makes a run for it and as he's making his way across the grounds of the mansion his iron patriot suit flies off from the compound and is like going somewhere. And Tony sees it and calls Rhodey's cell phone and is like, hey, is that you? And Rhodey's like, no. Nope. man. <laughs> but they figure out they're in the same place and Tony has Rhodey meet him. And basically Tony's about to get his ass kicked and then Rhodey throws himself through a window and is super badass. Rhodey is like a fucking baller in this movie. Well, he actually gets to sh show that, hey, by the way, I'm veteran military. Right, like he's a soldier. <laughs> He's I got get, no super strength outside of his. I get neck, that he's, but he's Air Force and people like make a lot of it, but uh, fun of uh, like you know, oh, Air Force is just behind a desk or whatnot. But like, Brody's clearly seen combat. Yeah, he's being awesome. So they find Trevor, and Trevor spills the beans on the rest of the plan, which includes coming after the president. And hey, the vice president is one of the ones pulling the strings. What? Yep. Vice president played by Miguel Ferrar. Love him. So, I mean, he's not just a douchebag. Apparently, I think someone in his family has a disability. And clearly Killian has said, if we get extremists to work, we'll heal your family right. member. It's, I think it's his granddaughter. Right. Yeah. Also, he would become president if the president's gone. So, right. you know, a little bit of column A, douchebag. A little bit of column B, my family. I'm trying to help my family. So, right. you take it for what it is. So, Rhodey has no suit. And they need to go save the president and find Pepper. So they steal Trevor's speedboat. <laughs> I have a speedboat. The Iron Patriot suit lands as the president is about to board Air Force One. And the president invites Salutes. him along, nope. thinking it's Rhodey. Uh, once on the plane is in the air, Iron Patriot, who is actually JBD, starts just killing everybody. And... Tony breaks into the plane, but the president is already gone. JBD blows a hole out of the side of the plane, and innocent people start flying out. Yeah, like 
15 or 16 or something 11 like that. was the answer oh wow 11 tony then fucking pulse bombs jbd through the chest and it goes through like three more walls of the plane yeah. it was brutal yeah. this has got to be one of the darkest marvel movies as far as violence goes and just dark themes it's up there so then tony flies out of the plane right before it explodes and starts collecting all the passengers. He's like, you know the game Barrel of Monkeys? We're going to be Barrel, Mo- Barrel of Monkeys. Yeah, he and- works He works out with Jarvis, basically, that he, in alone in his suit, doesn't have the power to, to haul 11 people by himself. So he's got to figure out how to spread out that weight. Yeah, and slow their descent. So he has everybody grab onto everybody else's hands, and then he's able to use his jets enough to slow them down enough to drop them in the river. And everybody is safe. Nondescript river. We never really find out where that was. Mm -mm. And then he's like, great, I saved them. And he lands on a road and the Iron Man suit gets slammed by a truck and obliterated. (laughs) But don't worry. Tony Tony was controlling the the whole thing remotely. It was another drone suit. Tony then tells Jarvis to initiate house party protocol. We go back to Killian. He is in the top of a massive, what, is it a crane? It's those things that are at shipyards. Yeah, it's a loading dock, I'm assuming, is what what we were going for there. Okay. So he's in the top of one of those massive cranes with Pepper. And I just wrote, God damn you, Gwyneth Paltrow, and you're infuriatingly good abs in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Pepper looks awesome in this movie. I mean, I don't know how, because all she fucking eats is greens. She does not eat a healthy human diet. I try and truly disassociate Gwyneth Paltrow with Pepper Potts. Yeah. Let's just enjoy Pepper and not think about goop at all. Yeah. Please, please don't. Please don't trust anything on goop ever, please. Anyway, so the Iron Patriot suit shows up and opens up and deposits the president at Killian's feet. The president is not dead. He got loaded up into the suit and sent to Killian. Killian monologues some more, like he likes to do, and then has the henchmen string the president up in the Iron Patriot suit over an oil tanker. Dramatic much? Yeah, like he's obviously gonna like blow this dude up on live TV or something. Tony and Rhodey get there and they are totes outnumbered. Tony's shooting at this guy and keeps missing. And Rhodey's like, what are you even doing? And Tony's like, I'm just shooting for the light. You can't hit it from this far. And Rhodey immediately, just without hesitating, turns around and pops up, shoots the light and pops back down and just looks at him like, you're a fucking waste of space. I am a trained (laughs) soldier. Utilize me. It's pretty great. Rhodey, I really forgot how much... I love him in this movie. It's really some of the most action that Rhodey gets oh, yeah. in like, the entire MCU. It's, and especially Don Cheadle. Right. Like, it's not Iron Patriot doing the shit. It's Don Cheadle doing the shit, which right. is awesome. And then House Party Protocol shows up. And it turns out House Party Protocol is let's just activate all of those suits that survived the explosion at the house. Hey, remember all of the, that stress building Tony's been doing for the last, I think we said, six months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he's, uh, as we said, we were up to, what, Mark 42 from yep. the last Mark 5, I think we left him at. So, yeah. All the other Mark suits show up and start taking out the bad guys. There is a big explosion and Pepper gets trapped under a bunch of rubble. Tony finds her and tries to get her out, but Killian fucking pops his fire hand up through the floor and into the Iron Man suit. He knocks Tony back and is about to kill him. But Tony manages to deploy a blade at the last second and cuts off Killian's arm. But his fiery arm then burns back through the floor and makes more rubble collapse. And Pepper falls down onto another floor, which is like part of a moving contraption thing. 
Meanwhile, one of the Jarvis suits lifts Rhodey up to where the president is tied up. He fucking pulls some ninja warrior shit. Yeah. Kills some two baddies, saves the president, and manages to get his suit back. Rhodey is the MVP. Pepper, her platform is collapsing. Tony does not have a suit at this point, and he can't reach her, and he tells her to let go, and he'll catch her, and he's got his hand out. And she does let go, and he does not catch her. Now, in Tony's defense there, other rubble shifted. It wasn't like he was in a position that he could never reach her. Like, as she went to let go, the entire thing shifted and put it out of the way of Tony. Right. And she falls... But guilt would still ensue. Right. (laughs) She falls down into the fire 200 feet below. Yeah. And the first time I saw this movie, I was like, oh my God, if Pepper's dead, I'm going to fucking rage on someone. Just kill Pepper Potts. So Tony barely has a second to react to this before Killian shows up. And he is now so glowy that he has to take off his shirt and show off his dragon tattoos. (laughs) I mean, they spend a lot of money on that CG, honey. Yes. (laughs) And I'm sure Guy Pearce had to work out for quite a while to get all the... Tony's piecemeal Mark 42 suit shows up just in time. Like it does. But then, as it's about to attach to his body, it clips a railing and just falls apart. (laughs) Yep. But then, Tony thinks fast, does some fancy hand movements, and directs the suit onto Killian, and then tells Jarvis to blow up Mark 42. Huge explosion. Tony escapes by jumping into an open suit midair to escape. This entire sequence where, like, (laughs) they they have a bunch of these extremist guys running around that they have to take out and all this other stuff. And there is jumping and leaping and jumping into armor and jumping out of this armor and and back and forth. Like, it is a really well choreographed action scene. It's so extra, but really fun. So he barely makes it to the ground safe, but he does. But then a super burnt up but still alive Killian walks out of the flames. And he starts to monologue again. And he's spitting flames, I think, at this point. Yeah. But he gets cut off when he gets pelted with a giant beam. And who is holding that beam but Pepper? She is all flamey from the extremists, so she survived the attack and is basically in super soldier mode. She jumps up and tackles a suit flying by and rips an arm off of it and throws the arm on her. And then a bunch of little pieces fell to the ground, including a missile. She kicks the missile at Killian and then fucking does a pull, basically, and shoots the missile right by Killian. And for some reason, this explosion works. (laughs) I don't know why the other one didn't, but this one did. Well, because Pepper did it. Oh, okay. And she's more badass because she's super now. That's right. But Killian is gone now. But, like, I don't even care about the logistics. I'm just so happy Pepper gets to be badass that I'm all for it. It really starts laying the groundwork for her playing Rescue and Endgame. Homegirl learns to fight a little bit, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's something I think you miss here. Um, The reason that she has to destroy that armor before what comes in here is because the Jarvis bots can't discriminate between the Mandarin and Pepper. It's coming for her, and she destroys that suit and then uses it to kill him. Nice. Yes, I think I missed that because I was frantically typing because there's a (laughs) shit ton of action happening. Yeah, I mean, but, but again... Go watch the movie. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah. After all this, Tony assures her that he can fix her. She will not spontaneously combust. And then he initiates clean slate protocol. And all of the suits start exploding around them like firework. And Guess he says, what? no more distractions. That's his Christmas present to her. 
It's a Christmas movie, okay? It is a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas. He has a... a, 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 a you can't even make your argument. A soulful change in his mindset. And there are Christmas themes throughout the entire movie. Christmas balls. Christmas presents to between the two uh, main characters. And yeah, it's a Christmas movie. The vice president in Trevor <laughs> Tony gets Pepper sorted out and has surgery to remove the shrapnel from his chest. Again, I don't know why that's possible now when it wasn't possible before. Maybe technology's gotten better? It has gotten better. Also, little tidbits that we didn't quite pick up on. In the 1999 Swedish scene, you see both Jensen, the guy who, you know, kind of put him in danger and helped become Iron yes. Man, and the doctor who eventually gets the shrapnel out of his chest is standing next to Jensen. Oh. In that same party. So it's the beginning and the ending of that little story right there. That's cool. Yeah. I knew that Jensen was at the party. I did not know about the doctor. That's yeah. cool. Happy wakes up from his coma. Harley gets off the school bus and goes into his workshop. And it is full of Stark tech, including a potato gun Mark II. And Tony chucks his arc reactor into the ocean at the ruins of his house. He salvages a couple machines and drives off with them. Dummy. Um, dummy mainly, yeah. And he says, you can take away his house and his toys, but there's one thing you can't take away. He is Iron Man. And then we go into cool 60 styles credits with footage from all three Iron Man movies yeah. of all the characters, which was fun. In Marvel fashion, okay, I know this is our first Marvel movie. You gotta make sure you stay for the credits. You can fast forward through them, but there is 99% always something at the end of a Marvel movie. Yep. And at the end of this one, I should say, Tony has been narrating this whole movie. In from, and out. From the opening shot. Yeah. He is the one telling this story. And in the end credit scene, we find out that he is telling this whole story while laying on a couch like he's at a therapist's office and telling the story to Bruce Banner. Bruce has fallen asleep because he's not that kind of doctor. No. And Tony's like, well, when did you fall asleep? And he said, somewhere around a party in Switzerland. So Bruce missed the whole story. Yeah. And then Tony starts to tell the whole story I'm, all over I'm not again. I'm kind of doctor. I'm not. And it cuts to black. Yeah. And that is the end end. And that is Iron Man 3. One little known fact trivia thing that we did not cover in the beginning. So originally, Aldridge Killian wasn't in this movie. Really? No. Maya Hansen was supposed to be the bad guy, and some executive somewhere said no one would find a female lead villain believable. Fuck that. She was hired under the impression of being the villain, and then was demoted to scientific lackey. I do like that she got a little bit of a redemption arc, though. She That's did. Nice. She did. So FYI, the Mandarin is in command of these ten rings, blah, blah, blah. The Ten Rings is actually, it, it. Iron Man 1 and 3 kind of do that trilogy kind of wrap up because the Ten Rings is the group that kidnapped Tony in the first movie that makes him Iron Man. And then we fast forward to 2021 and now we're getting Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, see this movie because if you're going to go see Shang-Chi, it has correlation to this. So, yeah. Nice. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, and we're going to see the real Mandarin. 
Yes, the real Mandarin. Yeah. I'm sure all of the Marvel fanboys are very excited. I mean, again, I, I love Marvel. I was not, I mean, I was a little sad about the whole Mandarin thing. And then, oh, Killian Aldridge is going to be the Mandarin. Like, it, it that that guy, the extremist bad guy fire breathing thing, is not what the Mandarin is. And so it, it kind of felt weird to take a major comic book villain that has huge history with Iron Man and not do that villain, other than name. Mm-hmm. So it, I think people had a reason to be upset. Do I think it should have gone to that point? In any way, shape, or form, no. But we're getting that in Shang-Chi, so I think we're going to get that redemption of that character anyway. And the Mandarin, from what I've read, is not the best character as far as, like, racial stereotypes. Like, it has a bad history. And I think the director was nervous about using the true Mandarin because it's not the most respectful character. But now with Shang-Chi, we've got a like... True representation. Right. We've got a Chinese cast making a Chinese history kind of movie, making a Kung Fu movie. So like, it's the right place for the Mandarin to come in, not in a movie about a bunch of white dudes with a Chinese terrorist. So I can't really blame him for choosing to not commit to the actual Mandarin bad guy. I think, yeah, I think long-term, I think it's a better plan. I think it's a a smarter move. And long-term, I think we're going to look back at it and go, oh, this led to this and this led to that. And that's like, yeah, it was a ploy, but that's way, you know, I think it will work out. Yeah. All right, Bob. So on a scale of one to five dragon tats. Ooh. (laughs) What do you give Iron Man 3? Okay. I need to qualify this because to me, there is a completely different scale for Marvel movies versus the rest of Disney+. Plus. I don't know if there should be. No? I don't think so. I think that that... Okay, if that's the case, then my my dragon tattoos are going to be like... I fully intend to give a fuck ton of Marvel movies fours and fives yeah. because I think they deserve it. I rate it on the same scale as everything else. Okay. I I, I think they're just that good. Um, it's not like High School Musical where it's like not great, but I love it anyway. Like they're legitimately really good movies. So they better be for the amount of money costing. But also and... I do think High School Musical is actually pretty good, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. On that full scale... I gave something five stars. What did I give five stars? I believe you gave Little Mermaid five stars. Yeah. But I would also think about it in terms of other Marvel movies. No, I trust me. I'm, I, I have a lot of calculations going on in this big brain right now. And speaking of Speaking Avengers, of Marvel. Sister Act got four stars. Little Mermaid got five. Prom got four stars. Okay. Iron Man 3 will get four and a half. I think that's where I'm going to sit too. Like I could get I'm down into like 4.35. 4, 4 yeah. like, like, yeah, I'm like right in between four and four and a half. Yeah. That's the, and, and the Marvel movies for me are going to be so like, yeah, I, I'm making motions of small, minute dicing, <laughs> dicing because it, they all to me and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say that there hasn't been a less than four Marvel movie to me. I don't think I'd disagree with that. It's a solid 4.5. Yeah, I think in the grand scheme of Marvel, it's hard for me to put it at 4.5. It is. But I think compared to other things we've rated, non-Marvel, it's got to be 4.5. Yeah. All right. 
it's time to roll for next week, and it is unfortunately for us my turn. Bear with us, people. I never roll good, but here we go. Six, eighteen. It's not the best one. It's not <laughs> terrible. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. Six, eighteen is Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Oh. It's not terrible. No, that. Uh, why do you make a face at a Star Wars movie? That well, it's the prequels. <laughs> it's the prequels, but at least it's not. No, no, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> no, I can deal with Clone Wars. I thought Clone Wars was the one that's so boring. To me, that's the first one. Oh, okay. The pod racing, the government, the blockade. I feel like there's a lot of government shit. There in is Clone a Wars. lot of government in Clone Wars because it's a lot of politics and on the war. But it's. I, I think it's still a solid movie. Yeah, it's all right. It'll be all right. It's fine. All right. So we hope you guys will join us in a few weeks at some point for Star Wars The Clone Wars. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can shoot us an email at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you just want to drop a rating or a review on your podcast app of choice, that's also a great way to show your support, and we super duper appreciate it. And remember, the early bird gets the worm, but it's the second mouse that gets the cheese. <laughs> cool, cool bad guy words, Aldrich. Cool bad guy words. <laughs> cool bad guy he was not. <sighs>